0: In the rapidly changing world, healthcare needs are constantly evolving and clinicians need to find new ways to deliver care. And often the best way to do that is by looking back. Without Marie Curie, there would be no pioneering improvements to medical imaging today. If Edward Jenner didn't inoculate a 13 year old with cowpox, there wouldn't even be a space for Professor Ian Fraser's cervical cancer vaccine. Our clinicians are standing on the shoulders of those who came before them, learning, growing and advancing. Hindsight isn't 2020, it's our future. If 2020 has taught us anything, it's that everything can change in the blink of an eye. While well, a showcase event occurred just before COVID-19 reached its peak in Australia and answered the question definitively, the topic of our annual Great debate proved somewhat poignant. Will hospitals as we know them cease to exist in 50 years? That is what six of Queensland's most respected clinicians fought to answer.
1: Will hospitals as we know them cease to exist in 50 years? Now I'm going to introduce the teams one at a time and ask them to come up and take the stage before we get into the, into the action. So for the affirmative, can I introduce Ms Shampika Patulo, otherwise known as Champs, Dr Chris May and Dr Carl DeWitt, please welcome them to the stage. <clears throat> take those two seats here. In the order in which you're going to speak. So I've got the first instruction wrong. Anyway, there you go. OK, now for the negative. Well, it sounds a bit, bit negative, sounds a bit negative. So arguing against that proposition uh, is, is the team uh, led by Dr. Robert France, Associate Professor Robin Littlewood, and Miss Nikia Goldsmith. Welcome them to the stage. Now we will have a chance for a little repartee after the formal presentation so you can self-organise and decide who wants to take final questions. But without further ado, can I ask the first speaker to the stand? Champs? Now I'd just like you all to be aware that this is not only Champs' first debate at the CEQ showcase, it is in fact her first debate. So, well done.
2: Thank you, Keith. I feel much better after that. (laughs) Good afternoon, everyone. So, welcome. I am nervous, really nervous, so any sympathy votes out there, please cast (laughs) towards my team. And I thought I will start off, so will hospitals exist as we know them now in 50 years? Our team is going to argue and make the case for, absolutely not. Why is that? I thought I'll start with an example that's relatable to all of us. All these things existed quite commonplace until quite recently, when it's been replaced by this thing that we can't be without. And then, did you know that hospitals have existed since ancient times, but if we were to have a, a time traveller from that time come and visit one of our modern facilities, they won't even recognise that that's what it is, because it's gone through such dramatic change. But it will be fair to say that in the last 50 years or so, we've been doing the same things over and over again and hoping for a different outcome. Therefore, I think we're actually at a time of great change upon us again. And aside from innovation, there are a couple of other reasons why this is. It's costing us more and more every year to provide the same care. And hospitals are quite dangerous places for some of our patient groups. And despite all that, there's general dissatisfaction with the whole system as well. And we can all agree, as our population's growing older, that hospitals aren't the solution to some of these problems. So in the future, we need a hospital, uh, the care to be more holistic, and more patient-centered, and really focus on the quality. Now, most of you know that I'm a pharmacist, I like drugs, drugs are my thing, so I thought I'll I'll give you an example of how medicine's gonna change in the future have you heard of precision medicine or personalised medicine? And it's all about using pharmacogenomics in the design of drug design. So for example, now this is where, here we go, technology. So at the moment we design our drugs, we say, right, these groups of people, cute, small, they all have headaches, let's develop something to address that. What we do is we develop a drug and then we trial in one group of people and then we say, yep, it was safe, it worked, and then a give it to everyone. What that can do is that it might not get rid of the headaches of these cute wee people here for a variety of reasons, or the Smurfs might find that their skin colour started going orange, which was an unexpected circumstance, or the trolls might lose some of the hair. But regardless, Precision medicine is here to say, and there are good examples even now of that happening. And I think as we go into the future, we will be able to use medicines, personalise it, and it will work in prevention and in treatment, resulting in less of us actually getting sick and having to access healthcare. I guess I want to leave you with this. I was thinking about even education, tertiary education. We don't access it in the same way we did when I went to university from my undergraduate. We are at a time where we're going to have for the first time in history where we won't have a human in charge of our transportation with the advent of driverless cars, etc. So why do we think that hospitals are going to exist in the way they are now in the future? Thank you.
1: Thanks, champs. Not bad for a first-up effort, hey? Give her another round of applause. OK, so let's move on to the first speaker for the negative team, Dr Robert Franz.
3: That background was the winning team from the last debate, as Keith knows from sad experience. 50 years is a long time. Those of us get older know that years seem to go by very, very quickly. Depends how you count though, if you really want to count uh, in years that's great, if you want to count in hours you've got 400 something thousand hours, if you want to count in minutes that's that many minutes, those you want to have a second life you've got lots of seconds and you're probably going to waste some of them listening to me. So it is a long time, if you're an ED physician you're almost allowed 110,000 breaches of the four hour rule Chris, so uh, he has a lot of scope for potential in the next 50 years. If you're a bacteria, however, like our friends E. coli, and you have a rather shorter lifespan, you're going to have a fair few generations before you enter the hospital in 50 years' time. This fellow here uh, is going to have a lot of uh, distant relatives before 50 years' time. may not be the same antibiotic that Champs is giving him uh, in 50 years, but there'll be something there to fix him for sure. So 50 years ago, um, this is Carl. So he looked pretty cute but not near as cute as the guy next to him. <laughs> so what has time done? Nothing much for Carl. <laughs> Whereas i changed before I took, my tie. I took my tie off, so it's open for debate now. But, you know, things change, but sometimes they stay the same. So in 50 years, all I'll need is someone to clean the bird poo off my head as I'm sinking there. I probably won't need a hospital, but we won't even worry about uh, Carl. I don't think so. I don't have much polishing up there. So things do change, and they should have put RIP in this uh, as of the other week. So we had these things um, probably a bit more than 50 years ago, and life changes. We'll now have something like this, and they may be driverless, uh, but one of the first owners of the driverless car was killed a couple of years ago because he ran sideways into a turning semi-trailer. So there are a few technological glitches. But whatever, if they're um, electric-powered, nuclear-powered, solar-powered, we're still going to have uh, scenarios like this which will result in places like this which are really hard to get these people in your living room to help uh, treat those patients. So we'll probably need a hospital or somewhere like it, uh, maybe not the same, but somewhere where you, you may want to get fixed up. Despite a lot of research, we're still probably going to have things like this. Uh, we're still a long way from curing malignancies like this and uh, things like this, and I've I got this from Carl's, Carl's family album. <laughs> Whether it's malignant or benign, we're not really sure yet. To go back a bit, uh, the first appendix in Australia was actually done in Toowoomba on a kitchen table, so we have progressed a little bit over the years. You know, the steriliser has, in the background here has improved a little bit and we have cleaner tools now than uh, many years ago. So let's hope we don't go, have to go back into the, the bedroom or the kitchen room to take out your appendix. We now have places like this, which are rather important to most people's lives at some stage or other, and we need equipment like this if you want to get good outcomes, and they will evolve, of course, as time goes on. So we have advanced. Unless there's significant budget cuts, and Keith might fix that for us later, we're still going to... uh, I'd like to have my relatives uh, treated in a hospital in the future. It may look different. But it may be holistic, might have a robot or an orthopod, by the way. We'd still need to have an advanced place to treat my relatives in 50 years. Thank you very much.
1: Thanks, Rob. If I remember correctly, was that uh, appendectomy performed while you were director of surgery at Toowoomba? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move on to the second speaker for the affirmative, Dr Chris May.
4: I thought I heard Rob say that the hospitals would not be the same, so that's the end of the debate, isn't it? Is that what you said? No, I really think he's a dinosaur, and has missed the bait. don't you, say you think, really? So let's go time travelling. Now I'm going to do my best impersonation of Tom Baker, who was the fourth Doctor Who. And we're going to do some time travelling backwards first. Now the year is 1970. Can anyone guess who this is? Anyone? Yes, who was that? Good, you get a box of chocolates after the end. I graduated from church in 1970 to pursue a career in medicine. That was my first mistake. But in 1980... Well, 10 years later we had this magnificent hospital called Royal Brisbane which then in 2020 is now this one, marginally similar and then we have the year 50 and this is a ward round from a movie called Doctor in the House and this is 2020 and we're doing the same damn thing. Surely we must change. That's insanity to do the same thing over and over again. So the year is seventy seventy, and this was the biggest headline in the Courier Mail. <laughs> I searched and searched and couldn't find anything on health. And in 2020, this is what it is. So we're actually not only doing the same thing, but we're doing worse. And before you say, oh, the population was different, the ratio of beds to 1,000 population was less in 1970 than it is today. We have more beds per population. The year is 2070 and change is coming. Can you see it? Well, here it is. Cloning. (laughs) This beautiful baby was born today in 2070. Everyone go, ah. But unfortunately, she had some genetic problems, which were identified in utero. Or was it the incubator? I can't remember. So what we did was we used these microscopic nano minions to repair the deficit, take out the bad genes and put in the good ones so that she would live to 130 without getting any illness. Fanciful? We're doing it now. So we're going to eliminate disease, and most of it. Yeah, there might be a bit of trauma around the place from these errant electric cars, but, you know, that's no problem. The EDs will fix that. Technology. At the same time she was born, this little gadget was implanted. monitors her vital signs, her electrolytes, full blood count, all transmitted via radio frequency, not Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, some new technology to her carers, health carers. Anything goes wrong. They send a message back, the little machine fixes it. So what does it mean in 2070? It means that we will have direct real-time monitoring of people in their homes. They will be in charge, we'll have real-time analytics. So most of the work will be done at a computer. Automated treatment and nanotechnology. As a result, all the drug companies are going broke. Thank you, and we will have a wonderful health system where nobody goes to hospital except for those idiots driving those electric cars. So finally, we have these guys to go into the future where no one's been before. (laughs) Thank you.
1: Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris. That, uh, that picture you showed before the last one looks suspiciously like a coronavirus. <laughs> I hope it's not going to be around in 2070. <laughs> OK, let's move on. Uh, the next speaker is uh, Associate Professor Robin Littlewood. Now, I might say I want, uh, I want the opposition to be very kind because debating robustly against Robin is akin to shooting lassies, so look
5: after her. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So- I'll just bring the microphone down. So look, now for the facts. I'm, I'm done with the sort of the fake news. Um, I'm going to talk about the non-fake news now. First of all, this is about predictions, and we all know how good predictions are. So Arthur C. Clarke, 2001, got something almost entirely right. So one of those, and please, hands up, choose which it was. First one is, was it the 76-metre octopus flying on our aerospace planes? Was it the contraption used in space that is going to be usable within our homes and that will elevate music, entertainment and travel? Was it the self-contained mobile homes that will be flying around Venus and the Moon and orbiting the Earth? Was it the Mars landing or was it the neurological brain caps? So that's a really difficult one. But I would like to announce that it is actually the contraption from space that is used In our lounge rooms today and it is called the iPad. I'm really glad that it wasn't the brain caps because I'd really hate for all of you to know what I was thinking right now. Um, Equally as accurate, Nikola Tesla. So, to sound familiar, Nikola Tesla in 1906 said that people were going to be walking around with phones in their back pockets. So, sure... I think he was was pretty right. However, he also invented a motor that would run on cosmic rays and announced his top secret invention was that of death rays. And he never had a relationship because he said that abstinence was key to a great scientific brain and he was run over by a car. He was right about the mobile. So some weren't quite on the money. And a prediction made by the Rand Corporation, and this was in 1994, said that by 2020 we were going to have something called intelligent apes. So they would be capable of doing manual labour and driving our cars. According to Glenn Seaborg, we're going to have a robot and a living ape in our homes, doing our housework. So in my house, we call that mum. But this prediction didn't actually worry me the most. It was more the report that if we have apes driving, there will be less accidents. So I wondered what they thought of all of our driving skills. Although I I do note news last week where there were a lot of apes running around in the car park in Sydney. So you do the math. Now, of course, there's other predictions that didn't come off. So, A, nobody will ever work in 2020. They're not going to need to. Everybody is going to live in flying houses and everybody is going to be rich. So these are true predictions and I would like to ask President Trump what his thoughts were around that one. And just because it is possible, it doesn't mean that it's a done deal, nor does it mean that people are actually ready or accepting of it. So for example, pilots still sit in the pilot seat even when it's on autopilot and that makes us feel good. Tesla driverless cars are still produced with a steering wheel. 24-hour gyms and supermarkets continue to have locks on the doors. And I know that's really interesting, isn't it? 2.5 million Australians have actively opted out of having an electronic medical record. So we accept that there's going to be enormous change and we know that it's um, going to be in automation, robotics, AI, and we know that there is definitely going to be improvements around patient flow efficiency. There's going to be less waste. We're going to be more targeted and we're going to get it absolutely right every single time. However, consumers are always going to be placed at the heart of every single thing that we do because it is hardwired, thank you for that, into clinicians' brains. Similar to the Jetsons, chatbots were invented in um, the US. So these were robots that could motivate you around treatment. So it was... Uh, oh, and they could do small administrative tasks. So I was thinking that would be really good for me. But However, more than two-thirds of all doctors had major concerns... Two-thirds of medical doctors, medical doctors had major concerns that they could not understand the emotional state or listen to that of humans, especially when emotional intelligence was required. So I ask you, is this chance or is it change? Could we really do without hospitals? According to our own chief health officer, and I tried to, to call her to confirm this, but she went to message bank every year. We have an increase in admissions by 85,000 every year, which is an additional 4.25 million in 50 years' time. So where are they all going to be going? So this was really easy for me, if you know what I do. I've got a really good idea. Let's take the money out of a really sick health system and let's put it into a healthy one putting more money into guardrails to avoid accidents in the first place rather than putting it into emergencies and hospitals where they will fix it after the event. So I know I've got a really good idea. Let's call it Health and Wellbeing Queensland. I reckon Queensland has got this so right. So, oh, thank you, thank you. That's very independent applause over there. (laughs) This is... This is a game changer. This would mean what if, we, what if we actually got it right? We would have less than half the diabetes rate. We would have less than 75% cancer rates. We wouldn't need a dietician because you just don't need them. There, there would be none around and there would be no orthopedic surgeons either because we don't need them either. However... <laughs> We do need a lot more lawyers because we're going to have a lot more cyclists on the road with those apes, don't forget. So clearly the question to me that you're all wanting to know is what is she going to look like in 50 years? So I've taken the liberty of saying that was me 50 years ago, so I wasn't born. This should be what I look like in 50 years. But because hospitals are going to need to have a lot more revenue and find business. There's going to be a whole lot more fillers and Botox. So this is what I'm actually going going to look like. But just one more thing, enough with the science. Let's get real here. Let's make our wonderful chair here, make a really evidence-based, informed and fair decision. I ask you, who really is Keith McNeil? So this this was Keith 50 years ago, beautiful baby, This is Keith, later on, a trained sniper and very focused one. This is Keith, again, absolutely gun negotiator down here. And this is Keith here, humble and a true man about town. (laughs) So I say in 50 years' time, hospitals will exist, as will Keith McNeil, just stronger, more efficient, more targeted, and even better, if that is at all possible. Thank you.
1: Well, a little bit over time there, Robin, but thank you for the uh, photo montage. <laughs> Do you think that Elon Musk knew that Nikola Tesla was run over by a car? It was a very sick and died mm. later. OK, well, let's move right on. So the inevitable Dr. Carl Duet, who doesn't have any visual aids, I'm told...
6: Good afternoon, ladies, gentlemen, esteemed colleagues, honorable chair. I hope you've been enjoying your showcase. And in the spirit of our theme that hindsight is 2020, I want to share with you the three most unfortunate predictions, some would say the worst predictions, of the last three centuries. So, in the 19th century, we had the then Deputy Director General of British Post commenting on the telephone, and he said, The Americans might need the telephone, but we're okay. We've got messenger boys. In the 20th century, we had the president of the Michigan Bank, and he was speaking to investors in Ford Motors, and he said confidently, the car is only a fad, a passing novelty. The horse is here to stay. And then in the 21st century, at the showcase of 2020, We had three venerable and experienced clinicians that should have known better, that predicted (laughs) – I'm almost ashamed to say this (laughs) – that there will be hospitals in 50 years. So the one constant we all know is change. And we have heard how much things do change, but allow me to add two more examples. One of them is in 1980, when the World Health Organization, on the 8th of May, declared that smallpox was eradicated and would never blight humanity again. Also in 1980, the first ever MRI image was taken. And like most technology, it took about 10, 15 years to get into more circulation. And I remember as a medical student, our head of surgery, confidently explaining to us that as long as we had stethoscopes and hands, No doctor would ever need electricity to diagnose patients. I wonder if that sounds familiar, Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Now, if we think how far we have come in a few short decades, and we think of the rich potential of the next 50 years, the only thing we can be sure of is that what we will have will be different, and it will be better. We are already seeing change and evidence of hospitals downsizing and reducing. 20 years ago, Denmark had 98 hospitals. Today, they have 32. And that is because they realized that the solutions they needed for the problems they faced were not more hospitals, but to do things in a different way. If you think about the humble thermometer and the humble blood pressure cuff, not so long ago, These were technological breakthroughs that only trained clinicians could use within very defined medical settings, and now they're ubiquitous. And in the same way, technological breakthroughs that's currently happening is democratizing our healthcare and changing dimensions in ways that we cannot even imagine. Just one example, the Butterfly IQ is a device that took a $100,000 ultrasound machine in a hospital, and condensed it into a pocket-sized $2,000 portable device that attached to our mobile phones and that's used in 200 countries. But the best reason why there won't be hospitals in 50 years is simply because we have better options. Hospitals were designed according to industrial principles, aggregate patients into the smallest space possible, standardize care and maximize economies of scale and efficiencies for the convenience, among others, our surgeons. <laughs> but increasingly, we don't have to do that because we have technological breakthroughs that is moving us from the waiting room to the living room. Over the last two days here at the showcase, we have heard wonderful examples of successful, high-quality care that's being delivered in patients' homes from chemotherapy infusions, palliative care rehabilitation, mental health and phlebotomy. And this is a trend that will continue to expand and grow, as does the movement to replace hospitals with home hospitals. My daughter was afraid no one would catch that. (laughs) Home hospitals put me, the patient, in the focus and center where they belong. We like to say that home is where the health is. In the future, we will say home is where the health is. Let me conclude by quoting the Kinsey report. If you cannot imagine it, you cannot create it. Our opponents have entrenched in the defensive strategy of the ostrich, so we banded together and we got them liquid gold. This is the last of my stockpile. (laughs) It's effective therapy for the ostrich maneuver. But when I look around me, what I see are people willing to stretch their collective wings of imagination and soar into the future because we know that the best way to predict the future is to create it. And I believe we can. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Carl. So let's move on to our last speaker, Nikia, and then we'll have time for some rebuttal.
7: Um, My first question is to Carl, and uh, you haven't provided us with any toilet paper stocks for today. So thank you for the... Thank you. (laughs) So, hi. I'm here to let you know that hospitals will exist in the next 50 years, and I'm probably just going to play some facts first, and then we'll go on a bit of an adventure together. So the first point that I would like to raise is that in Queensland there are 118 public hospitals. The challenge is to get 118 to zero... By the year 2070 so from here on in we're going to have to start closing 2.36 hospitals a year and to be honest with you my opponents don't agree with the hospitals so they're going to choose the first two to leave in 2020 hopefully they choose wisely for all of us in the room. The affirmative we look we have very different hopes for the next 50 years Robert would like to be looking like this and uh, this is Robin's prediction of the future. My advice for the future, I really had to go to what my generation usually would, and I went to Google. Let's be very clear, I got a little bit distracted, but what I would like to show you today is what will be on trend in the year 2070. First pitch you can see there is actually cuisine that is now made of bacteria, and it actually has LED lights embedded in it to send you messages whilst you're eating because I don't know about you, I'd really like other people's opinion at dinner as well. The second one is actually a type of bug that will live in the the pavement that will actually crawl up and repair the pavements. Look, I can see many, many benefits to local councils, to be very honest with you. It would cut down their workload. The fourth is lie detection glasses. And in healthcare, I actually think this is what we should adopt, because I'm trying to figure out who stole all of my pens. And last but not least, we're going to go and have a bit of a chat about robots. Apparently in the year 2070, we would like to know what a robot would smell like, and we apparently are asking those questions of each other. I'm unsure about that. What I can say is what came out of my review of all things trending in 2070 is that that's actually not very helpful for what we'll need, and that's actually what we'll be up against Look, I then quickly went over and found some advice on what the healthcare would look like and realistically these are the images that are going to represent healthcare in 2070. The opposing team today I'm sure is going to agree that our versions may look different, the locations may change and we may reconfigure our services that we have in hospitals in the next 50 years but they have a place, they are needed and in Queensland we have 118 reasons why. Thank you.
1: All right, now, given that we're embracing technology, we've got two things to do. One is I want you to start getting your thoughts together and you're going to be able to vote on the app as to who's going to win. And preempting your decision, I'm going to give each of the teams three minutes in terms of rebuttal. So let's start with the affirmative. You have three minutes from now.
6: I recently had the privilege to attend a board meeting and one of my colleagues, Sue, stood up and she said that 26 years ago, she became the first ever female to join a board in the Gold Coast. And on that night, Sue was able to welcome the first ever all-female board in the Gold Coast. An absolute achievement. And when I looked at your video, thinking of what healthcare might look like in the future, it just struck me that the one thing that has changed that's different from all the years before is that we're finally seeing... Gender equality becoming a reality in healthcare, and I think as that happens, it's inevitable that we're going to see improvements and new solutions, and I'm, for one, very grateful for that.
4: Now we've suckered up to them. Extra votes. Extra votes, yes, I know. It's not that we don't see hospitals disappearing. We just think they've got to be different. That's the key. Will they be the same in the 50 years? No, they won't. What we need is to think about the future and create that future, not live in the past.
2: Look, I think I got their votes with my opening statement.
4: Yes.
3: (laughs) Is this on? I I, I just think, thank you Chris for agreeing with us, that's really very helpful. Um, And I'm sorry, sorry that Carl has to uh, sort of, but vote for Carl anyway, we'll have elections coming up, the council elections, are you standing uh, whatever, Ward. Um, it's got nothing to do with the argument of the debate, but vote for him anyway. It might make you feel better.
5: Um, so what I might say is that highly competitive, I will say that health in the home is a very good idea and I like it. All right, I'm just going to give you that one. What I will say, though, is looking at the future, I completely agree with you. This is the one thing that we've got to get right. There is absolutely no evidence about what the future is going to be like but we are absolutely sure that it's going to be very very different and we've got to be ready and whether we've got buildings whether we've got services whether we've got health and well-being queensland whether we've and we absolutely will it doesn't matter we've got to do this together we've got to work together to make sure that we create evidence so that we can be as good and ready for this because Years ago, as you know, we used to have treatment. So there was a doctor and there was a drug and you could go and you could be fixed. It is not that anymore. So now there is physical health, mental health, social and emotional health. And we've got to be very, very good at making sure that we can absolutely deliver on that. So regardless whether, and I'm just going to be less competitive right now, regardless whether we're going to have physical buildings, we've got to be ready for what's coming because it is very different. I can't add
7: any more. That that makes complete sense to me.
1: Okay. Mm. All right, now everybody on their apps, voting time. I don't know. What, what the hell's an app?
3: This seems right don't worry
1: about that. Okay, come on, vote away. I think think we have a clear winner.
0: The affirmative team.
1: Congratulations. Thank you all for participating. Very entertaining.
0: As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased.
7: This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.